Hey guys, it's Adam from Casper Dog Training. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast once again. Um, I'm so thrilled to see the listeners um, pouring in from different parts of the country, uh, even other parts of the globe. Uh, I'm humbled by that. I think it's really cool. Thanks for listening on Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify, and uh, SoundCloud as well. If you go to my um, my Anchor page, anchor.fm forward slash adam-casper, you can become a sponsor for as little as 99 cents a month, guys. Uh, if you're feeling super generous, you can do $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. And uh, I will definitely reach out to you uh, if you identify yourself as, hey, I'm a, I'm a $9.99 sponsor. Let's, um, let's have a phone call or do a, a, a video uh, training session tailored to you and your family and your dog. I would be happy to do that. Um, so let me talk about my web, web page really quick. It's www.casperdogtraining.com. And on social media, I'm Casper Dog Training on Facebook, uh, Casper Dog Training on Instagram, and pretty much anywhere else. Look at my reviews and go to my webpage for online training. It doesn't matter where you are, I can help you. And uh, most of my clients now are starting to shift from in-home where we've had stuff scheduled in the month of, month of March and April. And because of this COVID virus thing, we're not able to meet with each other. So we're doing stuff online and guess what? We're getting results and we're making progress. So let's get going with this podcast today, uh, where I'm going to talk about, uh, some dog body language stuff, uh, vocalization, and I'm going to talk about some statistics specific to breeds and, um, some fascinating information. So let's get going with that. And we'll be back in one second. Okay, guys, it's Adam from Casper Dog Training. Now we're going to talk about today is dog body language. And it's very difficult for me to convey a lot of this stuff just with the sound of my voice. But some of this stuff will help you. And what we're going to go over is uh, we're going to go over uh, canine body language. I'm going to direct you to download some materials. Or if you need them from me, uh, so be it. I, I can email stuff to you. Um, but I, I think there's some great resources out there that we can work with and get right away. So it's at this point of the podcast, I'm going to tell you this, Google the, the, the following thing, go to, uh, your search engine. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Google, but you can go in and type in dog body language chart, and then look under the images section. There is an excellent, excellent, um, it's called doggy language chart. And there's a little black and white dog. I, I believe it's a French bulldog. And uh, it's a chart, basically one, one sheet of paper by the author Lily Chin. Um, Lily Chin was a vet and animal behaviorist and dog trainer. And she had these uh, this dog chart created specifically for um, novices and beginners that don't know anything about dogs to look at a dog and see different parts of the dog's body and understand where the dog is coming from. What's their emotional state at that point? And it's extremely, extremely valuable. I teach children as little as four years old, how to look at their dog and understand, you know, is the dog scared? Is the dog angry? Is the dog happy? Do they want to play? Are they stressed out? Are they upset? So this body language chart is critical. Download it, get it now, put this on pause. Again, Google dog body language chart, 
look under images and it's it's called doggy language you can actually see it's a black and white and it's from the author lily chin so check that out so guys away we go first of all um the purpose of all this is obviously to define how canines communicate to our uh, to us it's uh it's very important i, I also want to review um that chart a little bit so if you have it handy it's going to help you kind of understand like what, what's a dog trying to convey to me and uh it's also educating you that you know what the way a dog communicates to the rest of the world isn't just by wagging their tail and it's not just by barking that's the way most people measure how a dog's feeling so you know maybe it's like two or three things most people they say well all the dog's tail's wagging so they must be happy and that's not always it that might be your warning sign saying i'm gonna bite you the other thing is is that you know dogs barking there's different types of barks but you know the only other thing people most people know is the dog's growling so i mean that's usually a very uh specific thing but you know vocalization does have different forms I know I've I used to pet uh, my childhood dog who was a complete mutt, German Shepherd. Uh, we think he was part um, Saint Bernard, but very big dog. But you'd scratch his ears and he would kind of growl when he was being, you know, uh, getting his affection. So go figure. The voc vocalizations, you know, don't necessarily mean exactly what you think they mean. But um, we also need to discuss. Uh, their body parts, what part to look at on a dog. And then, you know, uh, we also need to look at um, other things. We need to look at uh, a... I apologize, everybody. I got distracted for a moment. We're going to look at different types of uh, patterns in barking, um, but mainly what, are, what does their body look like? And I, I wanted to kick this off by talking about some statistics I pulled from the CDC um, in 2018. The reason why I did this was I was doing some presentations for um, local police departments. Well, at least that was the goal, and, and I tried to do it with uh, the one in my town. Um, what this is is that basically we look at a dog or we approach a new dog, and we see what we think we see. Uh, well, the dog's smiling, wagging their tail, so that must mean everything's okay to approach. And the statistics I pulled from the CDC were um, 12 years worth of canine fatalities nationwide. And I, I don't mean to start this off on a very uh, somber or ominous note, but um, something really kind of jumped off the page at, at this, and it kind of led me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So stay with me here for a second while I talk about this. Um, from that 12-year span in 2006 to 2018, uh, all, all those years, each year, um, one breed kind of led the way in a number of fatalities that uh, uh, in the U.S. people were being uh, killed by. And of course, you guessed it, it was the pit bull. Now, the thing is, is that if you looked at the number of fatalities, it, the, the study isn't broken out by region or um, any any kind of information so the only thing I can assume and infer from this is that most of these these statistics were either urban environments or rural environments um, probably urban because you have all these all these people and animals packed in one small area 
a lot of these dogs too over that time span were probably dog fighting or or ancestors of um dog fighting rings and stuff like that uh also a lot of them came from uh, a socioeconomic background that probably didn't have access to dog training uh appropriate veterinary care and a lot of other things we can make excuses for but excuses or not there's one breed that that jumped off the page which was pit bulls now in that 12 year span 2006 to 2018 the number of fatalities for pit bulls led all other breeds by 65.6%. That's a huge margin. I mean, you think of all the breeds that are out there, one is like leading by a lot. I mean, literally, if we were, if it was batting average, you know, this dog would be batting almost 700%. That's unheard of. No one's ever done that. And the number two behind that is Rottweiler at 45 fatalities but only breaking out over 12 years, 10.4%. That's a minuscule version, but right there, we have three quarters of all deaths for 12 years in all dogs. 75% of all of them caused by two breeds, following up by third place is German Shepherds, German Shepherd dog, I should say it pro properly, with 4.6%. Then everything after that, who cares? I mean, Really, who cares at that point? Because you, we're, we're talking about this is 80% of everything all lumped into one sum. And one breed, pit bulls, over 12 years accounted for 284 fatalities. All right. Well, where does that come from? Some of it comes from genetics. Uh, dogs have higher prey, prey drives, bite drives, um, maybe even have a high play drive. So, you know, they're easily excitable. Now, the other part of it is, you know, like I said, socioeconomic. Do they have access to veterinary care? Are they treated well? Or do they have good diets? And so on and so on and so on. You know, a lot of these dogs, you know, you look at these uh, horrible ASPCA commercials that come on late night TV and you see these dogs being mistreated and you see this tiny little emaciated um, dog that's hooked up to a giant collar and a big heavy chain and they can't move. You know what? Most of those are pit bulls. The thing is, is it does happen with other breeds, but predominantly and almost um, almost by an overwhelming margin, it is pit bulls. I'm here to tell you guys, pit bulls are not dangerous. I'm going to say that again. Pit bulls are not dangerous. It's how the dog is raised. I am 100% convinced it's how the dog is treated, which is why uh, if you if you are listening to this to train your dog, you know, you're already in, in the right frame of mind. You're treating this dog like another another being that needs to, to, to be understood. And, and what I'm doing here with the body language is feeding into this and trying to get those statistics to drop. You know, 12 years, 284 casualties of humans by a specific breed is alarming. But let's step back for a second. Of 12 years... We're talking 284 fatalities. This is horrible. But what we're living through right now with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, people are dying in cities, that number, that rate per day. So, I mean, editorially speaking, stay home, guys. I don't want you to pass it on to another person or 10, 15 other people and get somebody else sick because those fatalities are going to continue. But... The point I want to make here is that I kind of scratched my head and said, 
you know, since this one breed was just jumped off the page and was so profound, I, I you know, I was so shocked that it was 65%. I figured it was going to be a little more watered down. Uh, it was so high. I decided, you know what? Let's take a look at this from a logical perspective. So um, it was 2018 when I was doing this, and I looked up weather fatalities for the last year. So I had access to the data for um, 2017. This is really interesting, guys. So what ended up happening was I looked into the weather fatalities for the year of 2017. You want to know something? This is really fascinating. Over the course of uh, 2017, heat alone, just hot weather, claimed the lives of 107 people in the United States. Just one year. So when we're afraid of pit bulls and we're saying, pit bulls jaws lock, pit bulls are meant to fight, pit bulls are aggressive, are they really? Um, and is that a real danger to you on any given day? So if you think about the scary pit bull that your neighbor has that always barks and looks intimidating, did he kill anybody? Chances are, no. Did he bite anybody? Nope. Um, if anything, he's someone's pet. And because he's making noise, because he looks scary, doesn't mean he is. So that's why the, the, the body language stuff is going to help. But I want you guys to understand, though, over a 30-year average, a 30-year average, just heat is, is usually every year accounting for about 130 deaths in the United States. Still, 12 years for a pit bull versus 30-year average a year over year, about 130 12 years, hard numbers, 284. You guys do the math. Figure it out. Pit bulls are not the problem here. But in my estimation, and one of the most eye-opening things when I first really got into dog training was the canine body language. And um, what was most troubling about that was how little people actually knew um, about it. So I'm going to take a pause here for a second. And if you guys have your body language chart, let's, uh, let's look at it. All right. So if we're looking at the doggy language chart that, uh, again, you can Google and find the author is Lily Chin. And uh, the actually subtitle is Starring Boogie, the Boston Terrier. So I was wrong. I thought it was a Frenchie, but it's, it's a Boston Terrier. The chart shows things like alert, anxious, um, stressed, uh, play, friendly, um, overjoyed, happy, curious, relaxed. This chart is going to be your Rosetta Stone. If you look at this chart and you're able to see a dog that, first of all, is barking, they are vocalizing, they might feel threatened, but if you look in the top row, uh, fourth position from the left and you see threatened the dog is curled backwards you see the eyes lots of whites in the eyes and it has lines going out you know cartoon lines saying that it's it's barking making noise and it's backing up its rear end is kind of curved and their uh, legs are, are bent down it's almost like it's about to spring forward 
So that's threatened. The dog's basically saying, hey, back up. You're, you're, you're intimidating me. I, I don't feel good about this. Then you look at the very next one over to the right, and you see angry, where the dog's literally launching forward, barking, and coming at you. The ears are pinned back. The eyes, you see lots of the white in the eyes. The mouth is open, and the dog's coming at you. So what we can infer from this is that you see, look, the, the dog felt threatened. I got too far, got angry, said, nope, that's it. I've had enough and lunged at you. Okay, so look in the second line. And really, the way this chart is organized, if I, if I was to redo it, I'd put the stressed signals up on top along with alert and suspicious and anxious. So if you look at stressed, the second row and second position over from the left, you see stressed and a yawn. Uh, you see the dog yawn. Well, you know what? Your dog, typical house dog, sleeps 12, maybe 18, or sometimes even more hours a day based on age and activity level. Um, so your dog is not tired. If you're asking the dog to do something, or you're talking to the dog, or you're uh, trying to force the dog to do something, they start yawning, um, they're, they're stressed out. Also, if they start licking their nose, same thing. So look at this chart. There's a couple of other signals that, I, you know, at one point, I didn't understand this stuff. I had to read dozens of books, and then this was presented to me by a fellow dog trainer, and I was like, you know what? This is amazing. I got to share this with as many people as possible. So good five years back, I started circulating this, and I'm sure that it's helped people. Absolutely sure. You know, like seeing the dog that's that's scratching right around their collar, uh, which is about dead center in the page, um, just underneath the nose lick. So third row, center page, uh, stressed and scratching. And then you see the one to the right of that, uh, stress relief, where the dog's shaking. Literally, the dog is shaking like they, they have water in their fur, but uh, they're, they're totally dry. And that's showing you that the dog's stressed out. We can tell, and if you really look at this, you look closely, look at the dog's ear position, look at the eyes, what's the mouth doing? What's the body position look like? Weight distribution, are they leaning forward? Or are they lean, leaning backwards? Those things, the, all of it, paints a very clear picture. Now, a lot of times, mentioning backwards, just a moment ago, I was referring to pit bulls and fatalities and canine fatalities over the span of 12 years and 200-something uh, fatalities. Well, you know what? Every single one of those dogs, 100% of them gave these signals. They actually gave this body language to a human before it actually bit, before it actually engaged in any kind of aggressive behavior. And... This isn't something that's just unique to, you know, oh, I got this dog from a kennel. No, every dog knows how to do this, and they talk to each other this way. You'll see dogs in dog parks run around, and they will exhibit this stuff. If you sat at a dog park and had a sheet, th this on your phone, and you looked at each dog, you would be able to pinpoint who's stressed, who's relaxed, who's alert, who's having fun, who's playing, who's happy, who, all of it. You would see it all in one shot. And I'm going to tell you that... Uh, if you do a great job and understand this chart and have it accessible, especially if you're a parent and you're trying to teach your child, teach your child this part of pet care. Teach your child to look at this and understand, you know what, there's a lot more going on than just a wagging tail and it looks like a smile or, or barking or not barking. There is a whole story going on there. So take a look at that. Make sure you... you understand it as, as best as you can and I could give you actually 
how I got the genesis of, of that document is when I got my dog, that's uh, Allie, the, uh, the unicorn Belgian Malinois mix. She, um, she's very perplexing because she'll look confident and alert and uh, very much composed, but there's very subtle signs that she shows me sometimes that she's stressed or she's over her threshold or actually afraid. And being a very capable, confident, athletic, strong dog, sometimes she shouldn't feel insecure, at least in my mind, but she does. And the thing is, is that if she's afraid or your dog's afraid of something, just because you're not afraid of it doesn't mean her fear isn't real. But my dog masks it exceptionally well. So she would show um, that she's suspicious, but you'd look at her and she'd lick her nose very subtly, very quietly. Uh, she would show uh, what's called whale eye, that she needed space and she needed to back up from a, a situation. She might um, also still look alert and, 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 you know, have a mixture of these confident body postures, but also stressed and, and anxious um, body postures. Very, very fascinating and hard to read. All these dogs that had an issue with, with a bite or, or with aggression, the human missed probably half a dozen signals half a dozen body language gestures that the dog did. And it's not that they did it in a blink of an eye. They probably did it over the course of a couple minutes. I mean, the dog's literally probably saying, stop it, human, back up, don't do it, don't come closer, please, please, please. And then the dog was left with its last and only option. So guys, think of a dog bite as the nuclear option. Before everything is exhausted, before all diplomacy, before all communication, all that stuff is exhausted. And literally, we're already at war in the dog's mind because the dog, you're taking liberties with a dog that the dog doesn't feel good with. And then eventually the dog's going to do the only thing they know to, know to do to stop this um, terrifying situation or uh, infuriating situation to stop. And they use their teeth. And once they use their teeth, they know they're not going backwards. They know it's a full-on fight. Um, however, once a dog does bite you, um, you know, humans don't want to fight anymore after they've been bitten. Uh, you know, I can, I can vouch for myself. Anytime I've been bitten, as soon as I'm bitten, well, you know, I want to stop doing whatever I'm doing and I want to go away. Well, let's change gears slightly and we'll talk about some of the different stuff we need to focus in on when it comes to vocalization. Now, there is a type and pattern of, of barks and rhythms, and I, I can recommend a book uh, on barking, but uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of great guides for them. You know, what I would say is this. The rhythm of the dog's bark is, is important, but I would tend to say that a lower guttural, quieter growl is terrifying. That's the one you should be afraid of. And it's usually one people miss, which is why I would say, look at the body language first. Focus in on that because that becomes really your huge spotlight or stop sign saying, don't do this. Whatever you're doing, human, you're, you're messing up. So 
vocalization is is going to become important but you're never going to get a total bead on the dog it's going to be a combination what vocal what types of vocalization what can it mean a lot of times it can indicate that the dog's about to become aggressive it could mean that the dog's protecting its territory or or alerting uh their family that hey someone's too close to us someone's uh nearby and uh in my house my dog's job is alert if someone's at the house someone's come too close to the house now i mean she takes it to a different degree and figures anybody delivering pizza or an amazon package deserves to get the full show but then again that's her job uh, it can also uh, you know i mean i've heard people say it means dominance and thanks to a famous tv celebrity dog trainer i think we all know who i'm referring to um dominance is a big thing that the dog is focalizing and they're 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 i can't even get through it guys dog bark is not is not them showing their dominance and and let me let me just kick this this idea of dominance to the curb if you think you need to um dominate your dog um let's put something in perspective if you um feed something if you give it medical care if you give it water you give it affection you give it baths you give it medical care you play with it you teach it you know what if you're the source of all those things you're dominant and if you think that you need to be physically dominant in any way to one of those dogs a lot of times you're going to end up facing a situation if you don't know how to read body language eventually the dog's going to give you signs that they're over their threshold they're way too stressed out they're way too anxious on what you're trying to do with them and then you're going to be poking the dog and making some more weird noise you know that psst or whatever the, the, that stupid noise is that that guy does and you're going to see it over threshold if you guys want to have some fun google that you know google uh when this particular dog trainer gets bit because there's lots of times and there's one great video of a yellow labrador tearing this guy up and if you look at the dog's body language based on the chart I just gave you and you looked at that and you had that chart in front of you and looked at the video within seconds you're gonna go whoa I should back up why is this guy not backing up and he doesn't and you know you think you're dominant well you know what you don't need to physically be dominant because you can withhold food and water you can withhold your affection you can never play with the dog you can tie the dog up to a tree and leave them for dead you know what you're dominant I get it humans are in charge bravo you know what? I think right about now, a lot of people are starting to realize that on this planet, we are not dominant. There are little things that come around and figure uh, figure out a way to make us humble as a species. So if we don't start figuring out how to coexist with some of these these other animals, uh, you know, we're going to be paying for it, and I think we're paying for that right now. Anyway. Sometimes people think barking and vocalization is an indication that they're trying to irritate us or they're trying to, 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 to be bad, um, they're trying to get attention. But you know what? They are trying to get attention. There is a certain like high pitch, and specifically with pit bulls, they have a very high pitch, squeaky kind of bark. It 
goes right through me when I hear it, but it's literally like a frantic um, yipping noise. And the dog wants attention. The dog's like basically screaming for help. Um, and it's, it's, it's disturbing to hear sometimes, but you know, it means what it means. Now, one of the things I wanted to, um, point out here was if you look at, um, your dog's body language and what we think, uh, uh, their body language means currently without this chart, you might think that, you know what, your dog's tired, uh, your dog's itchy. Listen, most dogs are not that tired. They don't have fleas. Most people within the sound of this podcast give the dog flea and tick medication. They give the dog regular baths. They brush the dog. The dog doesn't have any parasites. They're healthy. And they're scratching and yawning and licking all the time. You know what? It's probably not allergies. It's probably their stress. So we got to figure out like how do we how do we adapt to that? And how you're going to adapt to that is get to know this chart. Really get to know what your dog is feeling inside. And I think really I have several missions when I'm when I'm training uh, any any dog, and and education that I need to pass on to uh, my my clients and their families, and really that is that your dog's constantly trying to communicate to you. They're also studying your body language, so when you see a dog that's doing stuff to you, a great example is is nipping and biting when they're a puppy and they're jumping on you. When you fold your arms. You roll your body away from them, present your back, and you walk away, and you don't pay attention to the dog for a minute or so. That dog starts figuring out that, you know what, my food and water source just ignored me. I I, want to play, I'm I'm excited, or I want attention, and now the attention goes away. And then, you know, since I can't get any of those other things, well, what do I do? How do I fix it? I don't know how to fix this. But I know whenever I jump up, it just gets worse. But when I don't jump up, or I sit, or I lay down, then all of a sudden the human turns to me and looks at me and now is happy with me. Oh, I, 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 that must be it. So we can use the body language stuff to our advantage. And we can also work out a better relationship with our dog. So some of this is also important when it, when it comes to reactivity. We can see our dog ramp up it's stress level sometimes where you can just see the body get stiffer. You can see them uh, tense up. And when they do, you know, you might be able to uh, head that off with a, a redirected command like uh, leave it, uh, touch, sit, down, stay. Some of those things might work out really well. Okay. So, guys, um, I wanted to make one last point with the the CDC statistics where you had nearly 300 fatalities over the course of 12 years, but yet in the course of one calendar year, more than more than half of the, the that the, those fatalities can come from floods or from heat or from cold or rip currents or wind if we total all this stuff up just based on weather pit bulls are not a problem and you know if we really look at specific breed um, pit bull is just this generic term 
it's not specific and we're not looking at AKC registered dogs. These are just dogs that are mutts that look basically like your prototypical pit bull. But I want to tell you guys that whenever these these issues occur, um, we're measuring them and we're thinking bad dogs. Well, it's mainly bad owners. That's one thing. It's it's bad circumstances that the dogs are in. And also, like I said, 100% of the time, this stuff is avoidable if you look at the dog and you look at the dog's body language. So just with those two resources where you can understand some, somewhere the, the statistics come from and then just like even a, a chart, a visual chart that you can look at and go, hmm, my dog shows this a lot. Or, you know, my neighbor's dog that I'm scared of, that, that, that pit bull, that, that dog's scary. You really look at the dog. What, what, what is the dog doing? Look at this chart. Look at the dog. Figure out, like, you know what? The dog's not, not aggressive. Maybe the dog's lonely. Maybe the dog's bored. But overall, is the dog trying to hurt me? You know? Is he barking at me because he wants attention? Or does he not know what to do with himself? But let me put out this, this word of caution. Don't think just because you look at this chart... Now you have, all of a sudden you have a full understanding of dogs and you can approach every dog you like. That's not the case. There are a lot of dogs that will exhibit some of these behaviors like, you know, suspicious, alert, anxious, threatened, angry, stay away. If you're seeing a dog that's licking their nose a lot, that's, that's panting and yawning a lot, you know, back up. Give the dog some room to breathe. Don't push your agenda on the dog. Don't make... You know, if, if you're hell-bent on, on clipping the dog's nails and the dog's yawning and looking away and um, licking their nose and curling up and has big white eyes, that you know, the, the eyes are bugging out of their head, just give it a rest. And if you need help with some of that stuff, consult a, a professional. Talk to your vet. Talk to your vet tech. Talk to somebody at a pet store. Talk to a, a, a certified dog trainer call somebody, email, because those people will tell you, you know, what you need to do in those circumstances and also how to desensitize a dog to what you're doing to make them feel better about that process so that they're not as stressed out, they don't go over a threshold, and there, there are no bites. Subsequently, you can put yourself as a human in the best possible position not to harm yourself and ultimately become one of those statistics. Don't be one of those statistics but if you're listening to this and you're going to glean any information off that, get that doggy language chart, look at it, print it up, put it on your fridge, have it accessible. And I think it'll work out absolutely well for you. It was one of the best things that I came across. And I, I really thank um, uh, Dr. Chin for a pro, uh, producing this, this chart and uh, her team, whoever put that thing together. It's an amazing tool. Um, but, you know, when I'm training a dog, my, my agenda with my clients are teach some body language stuff. Get the dog to come when called. Make sure the dog knows their name and also has some sort of basic obedience that will indicate safety for humans and uh, for themselves. And that is, will they stay in one position? So sitting, down, or stay. Maybe all of the three. The other one is, you know, Come when called. Get away from trouble. And also, humans, look at your dog. Know what your dog is trying to tell you. Because they're talking to you all the time. They're just not using their voice to do it. And they're not always using their tail to do it. With that, 
Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. I know this one went a little bit long, and I'm sure we're going to dive da- back into this. If you do have this this chart and I ever refer to it, pop into it, and you can see what, uh, what I'm talking about. But thank you for your, your listening. Thanks for, for uh, anybody that would go out there and sponsor. And also, remember, you can go to my webpage, uh, www.casperdogtraining.com which is Casper like the ghost, C-A-S-P-E-R, dog training, all one word, dot com, forward slash book dash online, and you can book an online training session, and I can uh, I can help you train your dog or modify your dog's behavior. Upcoming podcast, we're going to talk about leash reactivity again. We're going to talk about um, uh, behavior modifications such as resource guarding, separation anxiety, um, these are major things that we need to contend with. Uh, some other topics that will be com- coming up is uh, counter surfing, uh, jumping. A lot of those things we need to, s- to have specific focus on. And, uh, you know, with all these other things, please feel free to r- review um, my second podcast, uh, Beginning Impulse Control. Very important. How to get your dog to come when called. They're already covered. Um, and then, you know, also some of the other ones. Uh, if you guys have any questions or topics, email me at adam at casperdogtraining.com. Anyway, thank you all. I appreciate your time. I hope all is well. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay home at this point. Take care, guys. Bye.